Excited to be uh, in this moment, although as we went through the worship time together, I feel like I've been to church, and I don't think I'm alone. Uh, I feel like God is uh, alive and well. I see new faces for the very first time. I see fresh faces that have just been here a few weeks, and I see some more experienced faces. And what a blessing it is just to see generation after generation talking about the faithfulness of God this morning. So <clears throat> I, I had a thing this week. I don't know if you heard, but I turned 50. How about that? Yeah. So it was very special. Uh, on Tuesday during our staff meeting, party hats were worn and uh, we had a, a great time. So uh, it was really special. Now, if you're a member at Sycamore View, you receive a postcard somewhere around your birthday. <laughs> maybe not before, maybe a little after, but somewhere within the realm. And so uh, I, I think next year uh, I've got a birthday card. This is what the postcard is going to look like next year. Yeah, that right there. <laughs> that is the yin and the yang right there. <laughs> so for those of you who... Don't know what I'm talking about. Two of my favorite people in the world. This is Terry Miller. He's one of our shepherds. Amazing man. He's a hero of mine. Uh, but if you read body language, you may not feel like he's in the party spirit. But trust me, that's Terry's party face. <laughs> and he's sitting next to the most externally joyful person in the room. Uh, who happens to be the face of Sycamore View, if you ever walk into our office, our beloved Donna. So anyway, get ready for that. Get ready for that. So having turned 50 has made me kind of reflective, a little, little extra into my feels this week. And uh, I was just thinking about the, the one thing I've, I've kind of thought is this, this idea of I'm just, I've got regrets but I'm, I'm so much overflowing with gratitude that the regrets are minimized. And I think, that's, I think that's where we're supposed to be. I haven't done everything right, and I'm still not gonna do things right. And as Randy said, most of you have experienced my gifts. <laughs> most of you have also experienced my deficiencies and my shortcomings over the years, because I, I bring those to the table. Uh, but I'm just so full of gratitude. And I, so I was, started thinking about back when I came to Sycamore View, which was not 50 years ago, uh, but it was 18 and a half years ago. And this is what my family looked like uh, within the first year of what, when I moved here. Um, and uh, we, were, we were a cute little big family. Uh, and this is what my family looks like now. So we have uh, grown and we have changed. And uh, yeah, we can clap. I'm not sure what the clap's for, but I'll take it, whenever. And uh, Meggie over there, who's sitting in the back, what's up, Meggie? Everybody off their phones over there? <laughs> I put him on phone patrol, and he said, uh, he said, hey, you're speaking this morning. Do you, need, do you need help? I said, yes. Come stand next to me, and anytime I make a good point, do the gritty. And he said, I'm, I'm up for it. And then he gave me a great compliment. He said, I'll probably just be doing the gritty all sermon long. So I said, well, just sit down. So for those of you who don't know what the gritty is, ask somebody under whatever age people start to learn about the gritty. But it's a dance, and I could do it here, but then I couldn't be seen with my family. Uh, <clears throat> so, but, but being reflective, uh, boy, I was just thinking about 
how blessed uh, this group of people has been by our church. And I'm, I'm into the fields this morning, so I don't know, but it, get ready, guys. <laughs> um, I, I think about how Sycamore View helps people see Jesus, and we're, our mission is to be a Zacchaeus Prince uh, presence. Luke 19 is the story where, where Zacchaeus climbs onto a sycamore tree so that he can get a view, so he can get a glimpse of Jesus. And I've just thought about all the ways, like when my family, when all those babies moved from Texas in 2005, uh, and we moved, um, we were still a long way away from grandparents. You guys were our family. I think about how you have raised these children uh, with us in such special ways um, and through all the seasons of life. I think about the, the dozens and hundreds of youth ministry moments, camps, mission trips, retreats, where I never did anything by myself. It was always a group effort and how blessed I've been to never be alone at this church. In 2011, when we moved from Arlington and we intentionally relocated to Binghampton to learn more about God's heart for the, the least and the left behind, you guys went with us and you showed up at my house and some of you even helped walk a dog pen a few blocks down the street in the middle of Binghampton, which was awesome. Um, I think about how you surrounded us when we brought a beautiful baby home from the med, September 26, a 10-day-old, 2013, who eventually became Zoe Hinkle. I think about how you checked on us and encouraged me through the isolation of COVID and the job transition of youth ministry to executive minister and just time and time again, this church has been the sycamore tree to allow me to see Jesus. And so I thank you as I kind of hit this milestone in life, 50 down, 50 to go, right? I thank you for your faithfulness. And it's a reminder um, of God's faithfulness. And so it kind of reminds me of Psalm 136, which is where we're going to spend most of our time today. And so I wanted to start with that. Psalm 136, we actually read it in service a couple of weeks ago. But it's this beautiful psalm, if you want to turn there, that talks about uh, the faithfulness of God. And I'm talking about seeing God's faithfulness through your faithfulness. But as great as this church is, we are not God, and we are not worthy of worship, um, and we are going to let you down. I'm going to let you down. Randy Frederick is the least letting down guy I probably know in my life, but he will and has let us down and me down. Not very often, Randy. Don't get mad. Don't, don't beat me. Um, he's a big guy. And so <clears throat> in Psalm 136, it, it concludes this section, 16 chapters of Psalms, and it's a section where the, uh, Israel, God's people, they're going up because Jerusalem is the high point in Israel. And there, it's, it's part of the song of ascents, uh, where, ascent, where you're going up. And <clears throat> this is the closing psalm. And it uh, is really important in the life of Israel. And we know its refrain. It says, his love endures forever, over and over again. 26 times, actually, his love endures forever. And so if you're looking at Psalm 136, the first few verses... First, it talks about God is supreme. 
So God, give thanks to the Lord for he is good. He is God of gods. He is Lord of lords. And you got to remember, they are coming out of a pluralistic society where there's lots and lots of gods. And so their God, Yahweh, he stands up above and beyond all of those other gods. And so they give thanks to him. They say that reminds us that his love endures forever. And then they talk about how he creates. And it goes through some of the rhythms of creation. Uh, He made the heavens. He spread out the waters. He made great lights, sun, moon, stars. And he did these things that are so far beyond our comprehension, but he did it. He created. And because of we can look up in the night and we can see the moon and we can look out in the day and we can see the sun, we know that God's love endures forever. It was here long before us and it's going to be here long after us. And then it starts to get personal. The people of Israel start talking about how God has delivered them. And it goes through several of the points of deliverance when Israel, who spent 430 years in, uh, in isolation and slavery in Egypt, when they are delivered uh, through the goodness and the, mirac- the miracles of a God who heard their cries. So when they were at their lowest, God's love endured forever. And then it it wraps up with just more reasons to give thanks to God at the end of 136 uh, because of who he is. And it just says, verse, the last verse, give thanks to the God of heaven. His love endures forever. The word for love throughout this passage is the Hebrew word that we've had a, a whole sermon series on before. So hopefully this is review but it shows up in this translation as the word love, but it's the Hebrew word hesed. Or if you want to speak it like a true Hebrew, there's a guttural sound to the front, and so it's hesed. Doesn't that feel good? Don't you want to say it with me? Hesed. Go ahead. Spit on your neighbor. Hesed. So a lot of the times hesed or hesed, I'll just say that so I don't uh, hit Suzanne or the Dodsons over here. Um, <clears throat> Well, I'll say it and not spray it, as we used to say. But hesed is uh, translated as love here, but that is really limiting. uh, Because if you think about love, man, I love the Memphis Grizzlies. I love barbecue nachos. (laughs) Thank you. I love a sunset. I love my wife. I love, yeah, yeah. I love you, Stacy. There you go. I love my children. I love this church. I love these shoes. I love these jeans. They feel great. <laughs> but <clears throat> I don't hesed most of any of that stuff. <laughs> hesed is this whole nother word that is so important in Scripture. Maybe a fuller translation uh, instead of his love endures forever in 136 is God's loving faithfulness endures forever. There is this goodness in it where God's love, there's an intentionality and there's design behind it, and it doesn't stop. Like it's good, it's faithful, it's there in the highs and in the lows, and it is forever. It never ends. That, that's what hesed is. Uh, this idea of covenant loyalty or promise-keeping love, um, it has a bunch of translations in Scripture. Um, <clears throat> and uh, I've got a quote that I, I thought this was a good 
definition, uh, chesed has to do less with infatuation and more with faithfulness. It's about loving someone, come what may. It's about commitment. It's about tenacity and stick with itness. So this is a really important word in Scripture. It's used 250 times in the Old Testament. That's a lot. If the Hebrew writers who write Scripture and collect the stories of God and his faithfulness over a number of centuries, and this word chesed keeps showing up over and over again, it really, really matters. And so it's one of kind of the defining quality of who God is. And Exodus 34, which is a series that uh, we've done a whole sermon on, this is one of the most intimate moments between God and a person that's recorded in all of Scripture. In fact, it, it may be the most intimate moment that we have between God and humans interacting until Jesus comes as the manifestation and full expression of who God is. And in Exodus 34, you see uh, the writer say, and God passing in front of Moses, proclaiming the Lord, the Lord. That's his personal name. So if Lord has little capital letters in your text, it's because it's Yahweh, yod heh vav -Heh, the special personal name that to this day is not pronounced by Jews because it's so sacred. But we're Gentiles, so we're going to say Yahweh. The Lord, the Lord, the compassionate and gracious God, slow to anger, abounding in hesed, and faithfulness, maintaining hesed to thousands. And then it moves on. That's who our God is. He abounds in this stuff. He maintains it to thousands of generations. So in the NIV, which is what I've got here this morning, there's 12 different words that are used as translations for hesed. Uh, I don't know what all will show up in your translations, but words like loving kindness, steadfast love, loyalty, devotion, faithfulness, mercy. All these things, that's who God is. And there's a, a, a level to this message today where it's kind of the, I call the no-duh part of the message. Like, yeah, that's who God is. But then there's this other part where in our heart of hearts, this is not really the God that we really genuinely know or feels like this is the God who knows us. Some of us bring baggage into this relationship with God. All of us bring baggage into this relationship with God. And so the idea of this loving, kind, loyal, devoted God, trying to square that with the experience of pain or loneliness or failure or shame or guilt that we have in our world, in our lives, sometimes we, we, we know the words. You could pass the test. Is God love? Yes. Do I feel like God is loved through my experience of him? That's probably a little more complicated answer. It's probably a little less true-false and a little more short answer. And that's okay. Like, that's why we're here together. Community figures out this mess in community. But this is a really important word, and it is genuinely who God is. Another word that is paired with this 58 times in the Old Testament is the word everlasting. And so his hesed 
goes on and on and on and on. So there's a lot of different things that hesed can mean, but whatever it means, it is to express hesed, to express or embody hesed means God is worthy of our respect and our worship, our reverence, and our hope. And so we can join with the Israelites, with the Jews in Psalm 136, saying his love endures forever, or even more accurately, his loving faithfulness endures forever. So I have a proposal for us this morning. Could we become Hesedians? Coined a new phrase this morning. Could we become Hesedians? I don't know, there are so many labels that means so many things and have so much baggage out in the world today. So could we become people who just simply are genuinely known by how we keep our promises, we're loyal, we're devoted, we're full of mercy? Could that, like, that's the proposition. Could we become the people who embody the God that manifests Hesed? God is Hesed, So those that love him, those who are known by him, and that's what this series is about. If you know God and you know his hesed, then you can recognize God in the world and you can recognize it in yourself. And you can also recognize when it's not being expressed in yourself. I don't know what the opposite of hesed is, but if you're acting like an anti-hesedian, you know it. I'm making up more words. You guys with me? You like that? You like it? Medgy? Gritty? Are we good? Nothing? Okay. <laughs> no, 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 you're good. You're, oh, there it is. There it is. There it is. Man, for those of you joining us online, we love you, but you missed a moment right there. So, <clears throat> so in, that is where our witness is. And this is a great verse that a lot of us know. Micah 6.8. This is one other place in the 250 times that Hesed shows up. But I've been talking about the Hesed of the Lord. Here is a Hesed of us. Micah 6 8 says, He has shown you, O mortal, what is good and what does the Lord require of you. Most of us know this by heart to act justly, to love mercy, and to walk humbly with your God. And that term to love mercy, it's it's Hesed. It's to love love if we stick with love as a translation. We're the people who love love, but it's this kind of love that provides undeserving stuff to people. I'm going to go back to Randy because I see him over there. I, I like hit the jackpot with the personal shepherd in 2005 when I came here. Randy continuously shows me hesed through mercy and grace and love and faithfulness. And I hope everybody else in this room, you've got people who not perfectly but at some level, they embody the hesed of the Lord to you. I was trying to think about this as an example. On Thursday of this week, uh, my parents will celebrate 60 years of, of marriage. And it's kind of funny because dad celebrates it on November 28th, and mom celebrates it on Thanksgiving. And so this year, they actually won't be celebrating it at the same time. But <laughs> so this is where my parents are. And some of you can relate to this. Um, this is a picture of mom and dad at my house a couple weeks ago. They live in Dixon, Tennessee. And I, was, uh, I picked up Zoe from school the other day. I got a call from my mom, which is not good. Um, and my mom called, 
and she said, is this Jim Hinkle? My mom has Alzheimer's. And she said, uh, I said, yeah, hey mom, it is. And she said, okay. She said, where are you? And I said, well, I'm in Memphis where I live. And she said, <clears throat> okay, well, are you coming here? I said, not right now, but I'm, I'm coming in a few days. And she said, well, I'm just kind of, I'm kind of mixed up right now. And I said, well, mom, where, where are you? And she said, I'm in this, I, I'm in this house. And I said, I think you're, I think you're at home, mom. And she said, I don't think so. I don't think I live here. And I said, uh, where, where are you? Describe the room to me. And she said, well, I'm, I'm in the kitchen. There's a, a table to eat at. I said, are there some stairs in front of you? And she said, yeah. I said, hey, mom, you're home. And she said, um, sorry. Uh, she said, I'm looking for that guy. <laughs> and I said, uh, are you looking for James Hinkle, my dad? She said, yeah, yeah, I think that's who I'm looking for. And I said, well, mom, just walk down the hallway. And she did. <laughs> And there was dad. And uh, I was on speakerphone. Dad says, hey, Jim. <laughs> so this is not the only phone call like that I've had. Um, it, it happens a lot. And so many of us in this room, uh, I, I realize me sharing that story puts you in a place that is, that is hard and brings a lot of mixed emotions. I'm not trying to trigger pain, but <clears throat> in that moment and even where you are right now, if you've had those experiences. Uh, this guy right here is the embodiment of Hesed. I mean, he made a commitment 60 years ago, and now I get to see him live that out. And so my dad is flawed. <laughs> He's not perfect, <clears throat> but he is, he is a Hesedian. And the way he cares for my mom and the way he sticks by my mom and the way he's loyal to my mom has taught me about the way that God is for us and he keeps his promises for us. So we, because of people like that and people like you, we can proclaim together that his loving faithfulness endures forever. Amen? So as I wrap up, before we move to the table and take the Lord's Supper together, for Hasidians, <laughs> our witness is this, where there's defeat and despair, we see opportunity and hope because God's loving faithfulness endures forever. And that's our witness, that when we look around and we see a reality that seems hopeless, we know there's hope. And it's not based on naivete, it's not based on lack of information, it's not based on over optimism. It's based on the hesed of God that his loving faithfulness endures forever. And so our hope is not lost. So here's three things maybe you can walk out of here with today. These, these may not be the best suggestions you're going to hear today, but maybe one of them will stick. Three things I think maybe that could help us increase our hesedianism. I didn't even make up a word there, but you guys with me? Three ways you can increase the hesed of the Lord being manifest in your life. One, write your own Psalm 136. You heard some of mine at the beginning, and you guys 
we're a huge part of the narrative. God has been faithful to you over and over and over again. And sometimes we just forget, and sometimes we don't look for it because we're in so much pain we can't see around. And I get that. Second, maybe we need to go through some information detox. Maybe you take a day or a week off from news and social media and replace that time with the truth of reading scripture and watch how God's reality emerges. There is no more discouraging, depressing place than media outlets. And, and I, I appreciate the media. I think they do, a, they, they do a great service and have an important role in our society. And so I don't want to just paint with broad strokes, but it is really challenging to exist and keep hopeful or optimism when you're being shown things that make you scared. And so if you spend so much time, one of the things I appreciate so much about Josh, our lead minister here, uh, pray for him while he's on sabbatical, but he will challenge us a lot. And he'll say, you know, if you spend six hours on cable news and 10 minutes with the Lord, whatever the information overload you're listening to, that's, that's going to be your reality. That's going to be your worldview. So maybe that's something to try. That's something that personally has helped me. And then finally, get to the margins. Get to the margins. Get to where people are the, the last, the least, and the left behind. Because it's in those moments where it gives us some perspective. And all of a sudden, it's like, my problems aren't so big. <laughs> because I'm with somebody who's got layer upon layer upon layer of problem that's actually greater than, than some of my, my hurts and my struggles and not to minimize any of our struggles, but sometimes being with people who have more pronounced struggles, some sy systemic issues, just making it through the day, it can be a blessing to us to see the Lord's compassion being faithful in that. And I've also found that those who have the least tend to be the most joyful people that I know. And so sometimes I need to get over myself as somebody who kind of exists in lots of ways uh, in, a, in a beautiful uh, fountain of, of privilege and uh, beautiful things that have happened to me. And I need to be with some people who are without or who haven't been given this or don't have parents like that. And uh, that can remind me of God's loving faithfulness. There's no better example of God's faithfulness, especially that endures forever, than this table that's in front of me right here. Because this is where uh, the ultimate redirecting of our worldview came when we thought all was lost, Jesus came back to life because of God's power. That's what he can do. And so we gather on Sundays, and in this church, if you're visiting for the first time, in this church we take the Lord's Supper every Sunday. Because why wouldn't we? This, this is it. Like, regardless of the songs, regardless of the message, taking the bread that represents the broken body of Jesus, broken not for you individually, although he did, but for y'all, for us, for the church, and then to drink the blood that represents the blood that was spilled for y'all, for us, corporately. Like, that reminds us of the life we are to live it's not a life of everything going right, us getting our way. In fact, it reminds us that the one we celebrate 
is one whose life ended exactly the way he asked his father for it not to end. But that wasn't the end of the story because God's loving faithfulness endures forever. So in just a minute, uh, after I pray, you're invited to any of the six tables that are around. We have a gluten-free bread back there if some of you have those dietary restrictions. And Kip will play some music in the background. And we just want prayer to break out in this room. It may happen in your own seat. It may happen standing in line next to somebody. If you want somebody to pray with today, uh, Jenna will be over here and Kim will be over here. Reggie, one of our shepherds, will be down here if you have a a public uh, prayer request that you want to take before the church. And we'll also have a shepherd in the back and I'll be over here on the left. God's loving faithfulness endures forever, even if it doesn't feel like it, even if it doesn't look like it, even if you can't see it, even if you've forgotten it. Let's pray. God, we thank you for your loving faithfulness, for your hesed. By taking the bread and the cup this morning and remembering who you are and whose we are, that we know you and that we are known by you. May we become more like you. May we become people who live with covenant loyalty, with mercy, with kindness, and with love. It's in Jesus' name we pray. And the whole church said,